Welcome to What's Your Hustle with Halima Hussein. My guest this episode is my soul sister. On paper, physically, we probably could not be more opposite. She is from Newfoundland with an alabaster complexion, blonde, curly hair, fierce cheekbones, and legs for days. Whereas my legs are a little shorter, with a golden brown complexion, and black hair of which, on its good days, has a mind of its own. But underneath this packaging, the most important thing we have in common is the need to make sure everyone around us is taken care of. We have bonded because we accept each other for our uniqueness, for the fact that we bring out something in each other's fiery souls, and when we get together, our individual sass is turned up to a hundred. It's straight up savage. Sydney is a transgendered female, and her journey is one that leaves me in awe of her courage and truth. Her confidence of who she is inspires me to be fearless and love who I am as a woman with curves, blemishes, stretch marks, and reminds me that there will never be another me. So let's get into it. Here's What's Your Hustle, Not Just Body Image, with my guest, Sydney Coombs. Get a girl like Sydney. <laughs> that, yep, on a real note, yes, that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, what's up, guys? It's What's Your Hustle, and I'm here with one of my best friends, Sydney Coombs. She wanted to record in my small room, but I'm already hot. It's because I'm here. <laughs> it's because she's here. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How was your day? It was good. It's even yeah. better now. Here with you and T. And T in her Castiel month. She has one specific mug that I yeah. have just for her to use. Love to use it. That's, That's you, Shirley Ann. It's mine. Yeah. Shirley Ann tried to steal my mug. Did she? Yeah. Was I here? Yeah. I probably was. It was my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to be here. Yeah, Halima, we kind of broke into your house. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys just like hopped over the balcony one day. And that was once. <laughs> once. <laughs> Scared living shit. I know. <laughs> Uh, Sydney is here because we are talking about body image, mental health, finding yourself, loving yourself, and all of the above. Self-discovery. Sydney, who are you? Who am I? Who are you? Where do you come from? I... All I know is that you showed up from Newfoundland one day, and then you've been stuck in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bad thing. It's a great thing. <laughs> Um, I grew up in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. That's on the west coast of Newfoundland. Okay. Lived there for about 24 years Ooh. and then made my way up here to Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah. I graced you with my presence. You did. You did grace me with your presence. And your life has been hectic and loud ever since. That's fine. My sass has gone up. Oh, good. Like a thousand percent my sass has gone up. My confidence has gone up Good. a thousand percent. See, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Who you are. Yeah. Yeah. What brought you to Edmonton? Good old Edmonton. Um, a few things, actually. Like, I think overall, like, having lived in Cornbrook and Newfoundland my whole life, um, job opportunities weren't that broad. Even though I had a business degree, uh, it's essentially was hard for me to be able to move up in the position that I was in. Okay. As much as I enjoyed my work, I enjoyed the people that I worked with, 
it's just one of those jobs that, okay, if I can't move up or, and plus, Newfoundland wasn't a, basically a shit when it came to the overall finances and just money. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to be able to find other work. So it's just, well, okay, what can I do? Uh, one of my best friends, Tyler, who will be on this as well, so keep an eye out for that future What's Your Hustle. Yes. Um, had moved up here the May, so it was May 2014. Mm -hmm. So uh, Tyler is, I don't want to even say basically my brother, Tyler is my brother, he's family. Yeah. So I came up and visited him in August, and I didn't want to leave. We went to Katy Perry, and I saw that there is opportunity in life outside of Newfoundland. Right. Um, essentially, it was like, okay, there's West Edmonton Mall. Hello, I love shopping. Um, and just essentially so much to do. Plus, like, met some great people yeah. up here. So it was like nine days later, I'm getting ready to go back, and I'm sitting in Michael and Tyler's spare room, which I was staying in for that week. I just bawling my eyes out, <laughs> not wanting to leave. Yeah. And then it was discussed that, yeah, like, if you get a job, like, why don't you just move up here? So yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. I ended up getting a job and then packed my bags and came on up. Culture shock, for sure. But it was great because it's kind of like, no one gives them. Because <laughs> it's kind of like, no, coming into a new city, no one knew who I was besides the select few. Yeah. So then I kind of was able to form myself who I wanted to be and figure out from there and go from there who who I am and who I want to be. Right. Not have to worry about every other person thinking something or saying something and knowing my family or yeah. stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I love Newfoundland. I miss Newfoundland. Yeah. But at the end of the day, especially in my mid-20s, it's kind of like, okay, I need to be elsewhere. I need right. to figure out who I am, what I am, what I want to do, where I want to go. Yes. And now you're here. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now you're here. You are a transgendered woman. Yes. And I'm so excited for you and pumped for you. I'm telling you. Thank you. Girl, it's like... 100% woman now, baby. Girl. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. When did you have your first surgery and what was going through your mind at that time? So my first surgery was over a year ago. Uh, that was my breast augmentation. And essentially, there was a lot going through my mind because it was kind of like, oh shit, this has come real. Like, it was only probably the year before I had to come out to my family and my co-workers. Yeah. And obviously, like, you and my closest friends yeah. all knew my true self because I was living my true self to you guys for many years right. at that point. But it was essentially only not even a year after or a little bit over a year after me telling my family that, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a woman right. and I'm going to be living my life truthfully. So at that point, full year was so rushed and so much on the go so it kind of like everything came back to that moment when I'm in getting ready for that operation that is like this is what I've been waiting for mm -hmm. for such a long time yeah and there were so many thoughts like it's just like holy beep yeah <laughs> things are happening now yeah. like I'm getting my life on the go because at the time I'm 29 years old mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you know what I'm turning 30 at that point in the next few months is like I just want to be able to live my life and be confident and comfortable in my body. Now the thing is, and anyone that does know me, I am a confident girl. 
I wear what I want and obviously besides work for work, (laughs) but I'm very happy. I'm very confident with my body, but with that surgery, it made my confidence boost so much because there were moments that, especially with a breast augmentation, some people see it as a very shallow type thing to do. It's kind of like, oh, you don't need it. But when, when you're in a situation as a transgender woman, Mm -hmm. when obviously, yes, some biological women don't have large breasts, but (laughs) yeah, I, I did add a breast reduction and last year as well. We went reverse. We went reverse. (laughs) I mean, if I could have given her some, I would have, but for me personally, it was Honestly, it was the back pain, it was the headaches, it was, there were nights that I had to sleep on the ground, right? And that started when I hit puberty, and I couldn't do it anymore, my posture was off, like I couldn't go to work out the way I wanted to, you can't, you're limited, Mm -hmm. from my perspective, to having large breasts, for the things you want to do for your health, and my life from forever, until I had my breast reduction surgery, I would wear large scarves mm-hmm. because you would it was it was a thing that we said earlier it is a confidence thing very much so and obviously like any surgery there might be mild pain but you know what the way that you got to look at it at the end of the day is that mild amount that you're going to have it does not compare to the amount of happiness that you're going to oh, receive afterward yeah because like i wasn't thinking going in there like it's funny because like i'm down on the table about to go under and they're like, oh, are you nervous? And I'm looking at them. I'm more nervous about the anesthetic yeah. and getting a freaking needle, because I hate needles, than having you guys perform a surgery on me. Yeah. And they laugh because they're like, oh, we already have the needle in you. And I didn't even feel it. It was that simple. Right. But it was that sense that I had this built up so much anxiety yeah. over just the anesthetic that the surgery, I was like, no, I'm excited for this. Like, right. Let's do this. Yeah. I was totally down because... For anyone who's going to go through this process for having a breast reduction, um, it's a long process. I started this process. So I'll back up. When I was in university, I had a friend ask me if I would get a reduction. And this time I was 20. And then, so if a friend is asking at 20, then they might have been very large for what they are. And I always said, no, when I turn 25, I'm going to start looking into it. So for anyone going through this process, it is a long process. You please consult your doctor your family physician before you decide to go through the process of having any type of surgery um because i started the process at 26 i had my surgery at 29 so you don't think that three years is long but when you're waiting for something and you want something Mm -hmm. it's a hell of a long time you're nervous you're excited you're you're anxious because you're like you just want to get it over with i know that year i went to New York and for my birthday and I love New York and I'm there for my birthday but I didn't enjoy it because my surgery was literally like not the day I got after I got back but the day after that and I I couldn't enjoy New York because I'm like I just want to get it back. it's the anxiety of it it's right. just like it's so much build up yeah. and even it, though it's a happy anxiety it's still anxiety that's kind of like oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> What is this? And what then, is life? What is life? And you don't realize that you couldn't carry things for so long because it's just, you think six weeks, yeah, I'm recovering. Like, you can't carry for for a while. Like, you can go back to work, go back to your life, but, mm-hmm. you know, I still couldn't carry yeah, things. Yeah, I was eight weeks before I could really do anything over 10 pounds. Right, and I still have scars, and I, I don't 
mind scars. Like, they're part of me, they're part of my body. They're. I think we both had this moment that it's kind of like we're going into the surgery and then you're put under, obviously, because you're not awake during either a reduction or an augmentation. And mine wasn't even an hour. And waking up, and then it probably took a couple hours. Then it kind of set in. I remember walking up my stairs, and then all of a sudden just crying. And Tyler looks at me, he's like, why are you crying? I'm like, I have boobs. <laughs> and, like, just every thought had then come through. Because also the anesthetic is wearing out. Right. So I'm not being loopy anymore. Yeah. thinking that I'm able to do anything. Yeah. Wonder Woman over here. But it was then like, oh my god, this is now real. It kicked in, and I don't know if you had that kind of epiphany. Oh yeah. That it's kind of like once the anesthetic wears off, that it's like, oh, they're gone. They're they're there. Oh, they're not gone. <laughs> they're there. For me, I'm like, they're gone. <laughs> You're like, what are these? You these still got gone. plenty there. <laughs> <laughs> well, for you, not having me. Basically, I had an A cup on one side and a B cup on another. Yeah. So that was another reasoning for my augmentation for the sense that yes women's breasts are asymmetrical anyways but because I was a full cup size and difference it made it very difficult for me to be able to wear a bra um comfortably and to wear clothes um and feel comfortable confident and sexy in them right because if I wore an a cup one of the the breasts would feel too tight in it the other one if I would wear a b it was too much gaping on the other side but I basically still had to do it regardless because it's like I had to wait until a certain set of months to be on my hormones um, to be able to see if I'm going to grow anymore. Because right. that's the thing for any, uh, especially transgender women who are looking into getting a breast augmentation, you have to see how much growth you're going to get from the hormones and the blockers. So, especially at my age, of when I start hormones at 27, 28, that's kind of like, okay, I want to be able to get this done and over with for I then start my surgeries and get through them. Um, so I remember it was a good while. I remember going in and meeting with the plastic surgeon in January. And then he was like, I will do it. But your psychiatrist has to agree to it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, my psychiatrist, ugh, sorry, psychiatrist at the time um, wanted to wait and see. Uh, because at that point, it was only... I think six, seven months on hormones, yeah. maybe eight. So luckily I did change the type of estrogen I was on, which then helped. I grew a little bit, but then I plateaued. So at that point then he was like, okay, yes, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and get this done. So my surgery was August of 2018. I think what year it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like that was a huge boost to confidence mm-hmm. being able to then put on a bra and clothes. Now, once I was able to get the binder off, because for the first eight weeks, I had to wear a bra binder. But for any of those people out there, not even transgender women, any woman looking to get a breast augmentation, especially if you're getting done in Edmonton, it's like if your doctor recommends you wearing that binder day and night for eight weeks, wear the binder. Wear it. Really, it all depends on where you get your surgery done. Some doctors don't give the binder. But honestly, like even if if you weren't given one, have like a nice firm sports bra on because it helps a lot. Like mm-hmm. I had to wear my binder day and night for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I hated it. But afterwards, kind of like I'm doing it because I'm doing what the doctor has told me to do. Right. But essentially, 
I guess what do what your doctor is telling you to do. They are the professional. Mm-hmm. But I found it did help a lot in the sense of afterward, once that binder came off and I was able to wear a normal bra yeah. and then put on clothes, damn girl. Like, I was just like, this this should have been my life years ago. Right. Yeah. But everything has thing and it's timing. Oh, it's yeah. Timing. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Like, I also waited until I was like 26. 25, 26, really, to come out more so altogether. So, like, I waited a long time. And because it was a long time that I just didn't accept it or didn't want to accept right. it or couldn't accept it. And what do you think was the reason that you couldn't come out? I think essentially it's just everything. Like, yes, there was always trans and knowing about transgender. But I think it's just something that it wasn't predominant mm-hmm. at that time about five, six, seven years ago, even before that, like being able to accept who I was even as a young child. Right. But essentially I think looking back, it's like I couldn't accept who I was because I wasn't confident and happy with my body okay. or who I was. It's like streaming back how initially we just wanted to say uh, about not only of surgeries and everything, we want to break into mental health. Yeah. I suffered eating disorders for over 10 years or about 10 years on and off. So now it all makes sense because mm. it's kind of like, yeah, I wasn't happy with my body. I didn't like the way that I looked, but it's also, I wasn't comfortable with my gender and identity. So once I was able to get healthy and be more in tune with myself and my mental health, mm-hmm. that's when it kind of started making more sense. Now it still took a couple years after that for me to finally accept who I was, but this was around the time that I'm figuring out my gender identity, my sexuality, and everything like that. That's kind of like, okay, we only have one life. We all deserve to be happy in that one life. So Absolutely. it's kind of like, you know what? Do it. <laughs> yeah, just do it. I mean, and no no fault to our parents because we were raised like great parents. Oh, yeah, both of our parents. My, my family. But it's something that they didn't learn. When they were but it's also well. not only our parents, but it's just overall. We didn't right. see that yeah. around on TV as much. Now, if it right. was, it was very less talked about. But I think overall, even a reduction or a breast augmentation, nearing it back to that, that's kind of like, I remember discussing it with even friends and who are our age and my family and some co-workers. It's basically all like be careful like are they going to look real are they going to look fake and it's like these are not the 1990s Pam Anderson implant people like no technology has changed so much exactly it's who knows what yes. it's going to look like in 10 years as well right with medicine and going back to mental health it's it's something that we I've taken it on as myself it's something that starts when we're younger and that we need to carry with us to figure out our shit right like if you didn't go through that growing to figure out your stuff in mental health, you wouldn't be where you are. Right now. No, I like if I didn't have to deal with everything that I dealt with, with anxiety, with the mild depression of not accepting who I was, which in turn it all makes sense with the eating disorder. And it's like eating disorder, mental health and addictions, it's it's a lifetime obviously struggle. I still have my moments, but I'm seven, eight years clean and healthy. And then at the end of the day that it's like I'm still daily yeah fighting it but i'm not gonna cave in ever yeah and if i do then i have my support i know what i'm doing but i think it's because 
nowadays it is more talked about, and it's great that it's talked about, and it needs to be talked about. But even, and this is the funny thing, five, ten years ago, there was a stigma on it, and there is still a mild stigma. But I remember working in one of my jobs. We did monthly activities and different things like that. And the funny thing is, I was doing a thing on eating disorders for eating disorder awareness. Okay. And I was suffering a lot. And that was that driving factor and push to be able to figure it was. Right. And really just accept myself or start to accept myself, not fully, but at least kind of get that idea in my head because it's kind of like, okay, I want to look like a Victoria's Secret model. It's like, why do I want to look like that? Right. Now it's like, why do I want to look like that? <laughs> but like back then it's like, this was my desire. I wanted to look like that. Right. So it's like, at the end of the day, be kind to yourself. Just It takes time yeah and one thing is at the end of the day please people if you know someone who is suffering from an eating disorder especially don't tell them to go eat a cheeseburger that's not a solution you may think it's funny to someone who's suffering from an eating disorder that's very hurtful that's painful i used to have people say that to me um people knowing and unknowing that i had an eating disorders basically because i was small at my smallest, I was about probably, I'm, I'm 5'10", so I'm a tall girl. So I was probably about 100, between 115 and 118 pounds. And I would have people say that to me. It's like, oh, just go eat a cheeseburger. And it's like, no, shut up. Right. And that would destroy me. It's kind of like, no, like, do you know what I do to try to, like, stay this thin? But. But kids don't, they don't understand it. And that's, that's something we need to educate, be educated on as young adults, as adults, and as teenagers. It's something that, you know, having compassion, understanding patience, having mindfulness of just people and respect for people, because you don't know anything about what anyone no, is No, we don't know through. what anyone's, even like friends and family, we don't know what's going on in no. their brains until they feel comfortable enough to tell to you. Them. Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, a lot of people deal with mental health issues and there's nothing to be ashamed about it. And there's nothing wrong with seeking medical treatment yeah. for it. That if you need to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, then do it because you are bettering your life overall. Right. And for those that live in Alberta and in the Edmonton area um, where we are, check out Alberta Health Link. If you don't know where to start, if you're not comfortable talking to a counselor talking to a counselor at your school or your parents or adults if you're not comfortable talking to your friends or any sort of mental health organization offered through your workplace, do it on your own Alberta Health Link and go from there. Just start. And if you don't want to just start there, just say something. Say something. If you don't think someone is listening, I promise you, promise you, promise someone you. Someone is. Yes. Someone is listening and someone will hear Even you. Even if it's your best friend. And that's that's how I started. I talked to some of my best friends when I was dealing with my eating disorder. And this was before even seeking medical treatment that I knew that I had this. But I wasn't at the point of wanting to get medical attention or didn't know what to do. That I was kind of like, okay, at least when I, once I got it off my chest, that it's like, oh, this is making my life easier to talk about it. Oh, we got real deep. We're good. This is typically us. Now you've completed all your surgeries. What sort of power do you have as a woman? I feel complete now. Um, yeah. Not that I didn't feel complete bef- 
before, especially um, once I had my vaginoplasty or my, I guess, other word, gender reconstruction surgery. Um, before then, I, I felt confident, but at the same time, there were steps and processes that I had to go through in order to feel comfortable with my body, to be able to make it look female down there, um, and to be comfortable enough in a bathing suit or dresses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so now it, it's, it's so amazing. Like I'm only as of right now, probably like 11 weeks recovered, yeah. but holy crap. I'm so happy. For <laughs> it's amazing. It's, um, all I remember is like waking up and during that first couple of days of recovery, that is like, damn, this happened. Like finally, like I waited a long time for this yeah. and it's been, it's worth the wait once you do it, but building up to that and then finally it happening, it's kind of like, yes, I felt complete. Like honestly, first time going to pee, I cried and as sad as that is, and as funny as that sounds, but when you now have body parts that you always wanted right. and rightfully should have had and that comfortable and in being comfortable skin. in yeah. my own skin, I cried. It was a very emotional day. Right. So it's like, okay, it's those little tiny things that is like, okay, I don't have to tuck or I don't have to do this. Right. I don't have to be afraid of getting changed in the change room when I just want to go work out. Right. That it's like, you know what? I could just be comfortable where if I'm going out anywhere. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I was just, when she <laughs> told me, and then just like everything, I'm just so excited for her because I know the joy that it brings me. What message do you want to send to those young people who are struggling with eating disorders, with doubt of and fear of transformation? And through your journey, like what do you want to share with people that have gone through or are going through a similar thing that you are? I think for eating disorders, it's just essentially... If you know that you have it and you want to get that help, get it. Talk to people. That's stage one. Acceptance, but also get out there and tell someone, whether it's your parents or a sibling or like one of your best friends, it helps a lot knowing that's that is a little chunk off your chest. I think it was the same thing. And I don't want to relate. Not everyone who's transitioning is going to have an eating disorder. And not everyone who has an eating disorder is going to want to transition by any means. So I don't want to collate the two of those for everyone. But that those were combined for me. Right. But essentially, with an eating disorder, if you know that you're suffering, then get that help. Make sure that you get out there. Look up, especially no matter where you are in Canada or wherever, See if there is a mental health place. Talk to your family doctor. Because I knew once I knew that it was starting to affect my life completely and other people's lives, that it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get the help. Right. So speaking to my family doctor, going to a psychologist, um, dealing with that every week um, with a psychologist, it helped me a lot. Yes, Talking to friends did get me out of it a lot, but at the same time, they're not medical professionals. So it's kind of like, okay, I now need to take that next step because I knew Mm -hmm. that my friends couldn't, they could only do so much for me. Right. So essentially it's kind of like, I want this help. I am going to do it day by day, however I can. Um, I was both bulimic and anorexic and I would intertwine them and go back and forth. But for the longest time, like if I I was going in that anorexic stage, it was kind of like, 
eat and I kept it down and it's like okay don't take diet pills and mm-hmm. trying to get back onto that clear mental health state mm-hmm. but once it did it was all worth it and it's kind of like it takes time it's not an overnight process mm-hmm. it took almost a year for me to with a psychologist to really get things set in stone for my mind to really state okay, you got this, you're strong, mm-hmm. you could do this on your own. Right. But um, I think for that, just accepting it, and that's the overall essence I could probably tie in even, if anyone's struggling with their gender identity, that is essentially just be comfortable with who you are. You deserve that. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, and in that respect too, Talk to a friend. Talk to uh, a member of the community if you already know someone within the LGBT community. Um, for me, I did a lot of YouTube videos at first. Right. So I was watching like Gigi Gorgeous, Princess Jewels, seeing other people that were like, oh, they had same kind of similarity situations that mm-hmm. is like, oh, you felt different. You didn't feel like a boy. Uh, right. You never felt that way. Why do I feel this way? Yeah. So watching those videos, it all started making sense. It's like, okay, this is who I am. It's mm-hmm. like, it finally made sense. And it's like, I'm not a boy. I'm a woman. Right. So um, I think you've just got to be able to, luckily it's 2019 going into 2020 that there are resources out there. There are TV shows. Um, but YouTube, look online, speak to somebody, mm-hmm. even if it's your best friend, talk to somebody to be able to say, you know what, like, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with my gender identity, right? or even if it's someone dealing with their sexual identity, right. that's like, getting that off your chest is such a huge thing, it is, and God bless, like, YouTube videos, because I know when I was going through my reduction, there were people that did the same. Like, yeah. they would vlog their reduction stories. And I just found, for me, going there, getting it done, it's just this whole big, literally and figuratively, a weight lifted off of your shoulder. Because, like you said, when you were going through your stuff, it's just, you feel like yourself and in your skin. Mm-hmm. And it's just this incredible... Sure, you carry I mean, yourself differently. Well, you do, you absolutely. Confidence. Of course, there's little things like I'm, I'm gonna feel sensitivity in there for a while because of just everything that went on. You have and, to buy new bras and new clothes. Exactly, <laughs> and like when they tell you like the scary stuff, like when they tell you like, yeah, by the way, we're gonna take your nipple off and then we're gonna put it back on. You know, like, <laughs> you're gonna do what? Yeah. You're gonna take my nipple off and put it back on? And then I remember. In my um in my right breast, I had a tear, actually, and while it was healing, and then I went to the doctor, and he was like, "We're gonna close it up. We're gonna put some silver nitrate on that." I must be being Wolverine because that didn't help. It just it didn't do anything. I had an allergic reaction to oh, silver nitrate, and so it opened up even more and opened up by itself naturally like with just they give you like a antibiotic wrap you can put on your breast and then um just put a uh 
nursing pad over that and put your binder on. The binds are amazing. Right. It's literally amazing. And I think that when you think about it, that's just a small thing. Because when you're up and you're in it and you're living it, it's just this miraculous part of you Mm -hmm. that you didn't think that you would ever see. Honestly, there were days when I was waiting for my surgery that I'm like, I'm going into my 30s not having the surgery, right? There are days I'm like, well, what if I do get pregnant and they're just going to get bigger and it's going to be more painful, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the things that I was more worried about. I wasn't worried about the after. Now I'm like you, I'm just so excited because it's just this whole new life you have. Well, we both are in this situation that clothes feel more comfortable on us and we're more confident in clothes. Or more confident in a bra or something like that or lingerie. Right. And people are not staring in a creepy way. For me, anyways, anymore. I would notice it way back then because they were they were 38G and they were quite large. And I'm little. I'm 5'2". <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine. Like, bigger than our heads. Bigger than our heads. <laughs> and it's just, it was just, this happens. We go on our tangent and then this is. Then we wheel it back in. Then we try to wheel it back in. What are you looking for most for your future? That is a good question. I think overall, um, it's still fresh right now, but like since my surgery and since I coming back, it's been like just looking forward to clothes, being able to be comfortable in my body, um, and just now finally living my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everything with the future. Like, I don't, I don't know what the future's going to hold. So it's kind of like, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to relationships and looking forward to, like, anything in particular. It's just that I'm just looking forward to the future. Yeah. To being able to now say at 30, turning 31, that, like, I get to now finally completely live my life. Mm-hmm. Fully bodily woman. Yeah. And just be comfortable and confident going out there. And... Be me. Yeah. And wear what I want to wear in, I guess, certain circumstances. <laughs> but be Girl, wear what you <laughs> Or what you don't want to wear. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too. Be comfortable in a dress. Be comfortable in lingerie. Be comfortable naked. Okay. And, like, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, yeah. it's a struggle. And that was it. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, which right. referred back to the eating disorders, referred back to me not being acceptable of who I was. Mm-hmm. So it's just... Finally being able to be fully comfortable in my skin. And it gives you that freedom. Yeah. Honestly. And, like, I'm not going to say that everyone who's transitioning needs to have the gender reconstruction surgery to feel complete. Nope. Not preaching that at all. If you need to or want to do it, then that's your prerogative. Yeah. Um, there are going to be out there that people that don't want to have it done and feel the need that they don't need to. I wanted it and I needed it for my mental health. Mm-hmm. So it's that retrospect that I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm not doing it for any of the guys out there. I'm not doing it for my family, my friends. I'm doing this for me. Yeah. And that's it at the end of the day. Yeah. So for this future, I'm just looking forward to it. Whatever whatever comes my way, yeah. bring it. Yeah. All the snaps. All the snaps. All the snaps and the wigs have gone. We're ending it on the... <laughs> She's like, oh, this is a crazy person. Why do I even bother? Why am I friends with you? No, I'm joking. Why are you friends with You make me complete. Oh, thank me. Thank you. My sassy sister. We 
here. Worse to be birthday. Never been when we're in the same room. Oh my god. <laughs> what are your top five songs and why, Sydney? <sighs> that is a good question. Um, there are more than five songs, but I think I have a couple that would tie into everything. Yeah. Um, essentially, this is me from. The Greatest Showman. Mm -hmm. That song speaks so much to me. The yeah. first time that I heard that, I was literally just in tears. Oh. Um, such a beautiful song. Um, because no matter if you are LGBT, uh, if you are a different race, if you're a minority, or any bit different in the view of the, I guess... World. World. I don't want to just say white cisgender men because I'm not going to be a bitch like that. But that, you know what? This song really spoke to me. And it's one of those songs that it makes me so happy that it's like, you know what? Yeah, this is me. Yeah. I'm not afraid of who I am. I'm not ashamed of who I am. That's it. Yeah. So that would be one of my songs. Um, one song that I always go to and I've loved for years is Chandelier yeah. by Sia. So um, three and four are by the same group. Um, and these are my top five songs at the moment. They change, I oh, guess, yeah. week to week. Yeah. But it's in that moment of like how I'm feeling. But I feel like that first one I really have to speak of because it kind of ties into everything that we've been talking about. Um, Joan of Arc and Wasabi, both by Little Mix. They're both jams. They're both amazing. I love Little Mix. She does. She loves love them. Um, I think overall both songs are amazing. Well, Joan of Arc... It's a very female empowerment song. Right. Uh, they even say in it, um, you're one of those feminist chicks. Hell yeah, I am. Yeah. And I don't need a man and stuff like that. So yeah. great song. Yeah. Power to all the bitches out there. Yeah. Uh, Wasabi is just a good beat. And it's essentially they're talking about um, all the negative things that the media and people talk about them. Right. And it's basically like, they don't give in, they don't care. And that could tie in with everything that we've discussed too. That Absolutely. it's like, you know what? We all deserve to be ourselves. And it's like, who gives a f what people think? You have tattoos, you have piercings, you have green hair, purple. You, you are a size zero, you are a size 20. Yeah. You know what? Be confident, be beautiful in your own skin. Absolutely. That's essentially what, if anything, what people could take away from this. And it's like, I don't want to say that, going back to, I didn't get an augmentation to thinking that, oh, I need this just because I need to have big boobs. I ha I got this to feel complete and mm -hmm. be me. Um, and then finally, this is a little bit of a fun song. Um, it's my go-to, I guess. We all have that one song that's our stripper song. Um, Buttons by the Pussycat Dolls. Love that song. And I've loved it since it came out, so... Before she even said what it was, I knew what it was. <laughs> because even... At this point now, whenever that album came out, it's still, like, when it comes on, you will see me, like, bumping over the corner. Yeah. Girl, everybody needs a good stripper. Oh, thing. yeah. Listen, we're women. We all have that one everybody. song. Everybody. Every woman I'm not has like that one five. song. <laughs> oh, my God. Partition. Partition. Partition oh my is God. a Partition stripper song. Partition is one of my all-time songs in general. Partition is a stripper song. Yeah. I do have an honorable mention, though. That is yes. um, a Beyonce song, assuming we're on the... But tying with that, and it has really to do with what we've discussed, too. But, and I'm, fuck it. I, it's not going to be my top five. This is my top six. It's not an honorable Girl, mention. It's going to be a, a song. 
You do. Um, you, I will yeah. combine Wasabi and Joan of Arc together if that makes it better. No, man. You but do. Pretty Hurts yeah. by Beyonce. Yeah. Such a strong song. It was actually written by Sia. Yeah. So, um, the first time that I heard it, when she dropped that album, Beyonce, uh, watching the, because it's a visual album, watching that music video, I remember just watching it and just crying. Because in, in the video, she's dealing with bulimia as a, a pageant mm-hmm. queen and everything like that as a pageant girl, that I resonate with the struggle that she was dealing with. And just the overall song about society, what society wants us to look like as women, that at the end of the day, we're not all, we don't all look alike and we all shouldn't look alike. We're not all going to be big breasts, big boobs, or big asses. Um, we're not all going to be skinny. We're not all size zeros. All sizes are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that song, it just basically starts off like her being like, okay, this is what I need to look like because it's in the magazines and is what someone else told her that she needs to look like. But then at the end, she realizes that she's happy and that it's her and the, right. so it's essentially my journey yeah. right there that realizing that okay society has put this view on women that I need to look a certain way mm-hmm. that I need to have certain size body parts or I need to be looking a certain way that heaven forbid if I show a little bit of roll or if a woman shows cellulite God. or has cellulite so I think that song in general just speaks volumes of how society views women, right. but also kind of a fight back, just basically saying, okay, this is how I'm supposed to look, mm-hmm. but... I don't. I don't, and you know what? Eh. And to women out there, it's weird. <laughs> this is just, like, it's a hit home for me because I don't, specifically in Alberta, because I'm born and raised here, I've never fit. I've always, because I am a minority, and I use that in air quotations because I think that I always have been ever since I was a little kid. I was bullied for it. I, you know, years of not having friends because of it. I was not, and we are not as women and men as well. If you feel like you don't belong to a certain clique, to a certain demographic, to a certain this, to a certain that, we as individuals, we were not made to be put in a box. No. We're not made to conform to someone else's idea. And if you feel like you have to do that, I'm telling you, you don't. If you want to make your own rules, make your own rules. We are not here on this world to form to someone's notion of what someone should be. No. We are here to make an impact. We have that one life. Be happy in that one life. Do what you gotta do. But... As a minority, don't stand in that box. No. And it's like tying in that, especially the younger people listening, um, from a fellow mean girl to all the other mean girls out there, cut the crap. Right. And I was I was bullied by mean girls. So if we can be friends. Taking it from two perspectives, from a mean girl and someone who's bullied by mean girls, you know what? Like, everyone should be kind to each other. Like, Absolutely. cut the crap. It's like, especially all the other. Yeah. Like, just be nice to everybody else. Because you know what? Like, they're probably dealing with the same that you were. Yeah. And the same just little things that we all as women deal with, that we all think we're fat, we all think we're ugly. So, be nice to one another. Dwayne Johnson. Girl. <laughs> yes. Daddy. <laughs> I think that's so much. Daddy. <laughs> she knows I hate that just as much as you hate ASMR. I hate ASMR. 
Dwayne Johnson said, I think, on the MTV Movie Awards or some or TV Awards this past year that there wasn't a place for him in Hollywood, so he made a place for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I take that with me because if there's not a place here for me, well, I'm going to make a place here for me, yeah. as we all should. Thank you, Sydney, for being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. We'll do it again. Oh, of course. Oh, my God. We need to put This is, like, one of, like... A million. A million. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle podcast, created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussein. Be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.